0: Hello and welcome to Conversations and Community Leadership, a project from Leadership for Civic and Community Engagement at North Carolina A&T. This course is stewarded by Dr. Karen Jackson. Now, here's the show.
1: So good afternoon, this is Nikki Dunn and I'm here with Evelyn Letitia. She is an actress that travels across the United States and I'm so excited to have her here for my very first recording as a podcaster. And of all things, we're gonna sit and chat about civic engagement in the theater and what different theater programs are doing to really serve the community and how they're getting the community involved. So again, I really appreciate you for taking time out to do this.
2: Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime I can talk about the theater space and inform people um, beyond the four walls of the theater itself is always a great opportunity for me.
1: Oh yeah. So this is going to be good. I already know it. I already know it. So (laughs) let's just jump straight into it. What I really want to know is who are you and what do you do?
2: Well, my name is again, Evelyn Letitia. I'm a South Carolina native. I'm an actress, a singer, songwriter, screenwriter. I host, I model, and I do freelance production in theater, television, and film. So um, all of that with a background in
1: nursing, if, if you don't believe that. <laughs> so listen to that, people. So she does everything, basically, every single thing. And if anybody gets hurt during all of that, then she's also there to help you out. So just Absolutely. go ahead and make note of this. <laughs> <laughs> And I know that you've been working on several projects where you get to travel across the U.S. Um, what is the project that you're currently working on and what is the goal of the company?
2: Um. Well, one of the companies I most recently worked with that I did a 17-state tour was a company out of Ohio, Yellow Springs, Ohio, called Mad River Theater Works. And we had a a play um, directed towards the, the theater youth audiences, um, And it was called Freedom Flight, and it's basically a a play that connects the present with the past in this theme of Sankofa, which means to go back to the past and bring forward that which is useful to inform the present and the future. And it was a a show about basically uh, instilling in children, you know, for them to use their voice, to trust their instincts, to trust their freedom flights and, you know, not to let anyone knock them off of their path but that they, they can be the greatest version of the stuff that they see um, in within themselves, you know? Um, so I just recently completed that, but I'll be going back to Ohio in about three weeks here um, to teach a theater youth uh, workshop um, for a theater camp for two weeks. And we'll be doing a play development and devising a play to which we will put on for community performance at the end of the second week. So I got my hands busy. Um, the youth are, the voices for change has always been that way in, in decades throughout our, our our history. Anywhere you look in the history books, you will see that the youth were the ones to cry out and march for change. And so, um, instilling that in our youth very early and through the theater is, is always an amazing, amazing opportunity.
1: I love that. I really do. When you are bringing in the young people into these camps and teaching them how they can use their voice for change, what do you think? Is most important for
2: them to know? It's most important for them to know that regardless of their age, that they're never too young to spark change. Um, as I said before, any uh, major event throughout our history, you will see the youth on the the front lines. And I think sometimes um we don't instill in our children enough that, you know, they're um not too little or too young to to go forth and make change we saw very recently with you know um the the quarantine and the world being shut down and as things happen around you know um george floyd and and people marching in the streets it was the youth that were crying out in the streets Mm -hmm. um and that's something that i know as a millennial that we read about, you know, we didn't live through the civil rights movement, but we read about, you know, who those youth were, you know, when you think about Fred Hammond and, and, you know, um, Carmichael and and all these people, we got to read about it, but then to see it in real time um, during the pandemic, you know, people marching all around the world and the youth leading that, we try to let children know, hey, you you are a voice and it's okay to use that. And I remember in our play, um, the one that we just recently toured, there's a point where one of the main actresses she broke the fourth wall. And for those listening, the fourth wall is usually that wall that separates those on stage from those in the audience. So it's like two different worlds going on throughout this whole process. But then when you break that fourth wall, now both sides of that wall are in one space together. and And she breaks this wall and she tells the children, um, you know, do we want freedom for all? And they get to respond with a loud, thunderous yes or, you know, whatever they they feel. But nine times you hear all these yeses and, you know, do we want them to come take away our brethren and they go, no. And that was probably one of the most pivotal moments for me in the entire play because some of those children, that's the first time they really got to use their voice and say yes or no and not feel like, you know, it was wrong or not feel like, you know, it didn't matter. Um, We really got to empower them so that they left the space that day that maybe someone who has been mistreating them or they've seen somebody being mistreated, that they'll have a voice to stand up against that. And we talk about political movements, that's what's needed, you know, the type of faith and fearlessness to jump out there and use your voice. So this, this space um, I love to hold the space for the youth and allow them to know that hey, your voice matters and, and you are free to use it. Now, of course, we always have to teach, you know, with freedom of speech does not mean freedom of consequences. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing, you know, some people say, Oh, yeah, you can say it, you can say it, but make sure you teach both sides of that coin, you know. <laughs> um, but that's what I would say, you know, teaching
1: children about um their voice in general. And I, I think, listen, everything you said is absolutely spot on. And I, I think that's why the stage holds such a huge place in my heart, because I know that a lot of who I am was formed on stage. There is something mm-hmm. about having that ability to really transform and become and, and to deliver a message. And then on top of that, the times you spend off stage in the community or with your castmates, just really learning about each other and sharing your stories. There's so much there that happens that I think is beyond beneficial for kids. So I appreciate all of you for really just spending time to not just deliver a show, but to really empower those students because they're they're our future. I mean, they really are. And you never know who might be sitting in front of you. So kudos to you guys. And I appreciate you. It's and and definitely
2: a place, definitely a place of healing too. Like you said, it's so much happens in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, healing is one of the biggest things, not just for the audiences that we, you know, um, cater to, but also the artists on stage within themselves. You know, a lot of times what you see artists doing is living out their healing process in front of people, and they're telling you all of their secrets without telling you their secrets. It's masked in living in this character, but the the healing that comes from is very real. And like you said, someone sitting in the audience may leave thinking, oh, man, I felt so alone, you know, and, and thinking that I was the only one going through this. But this is a seems like this is something that's reoccurring. This is something that I'm going to be OK, you know, um, something that I can continue to invest my, my time and energy into healing from this. So it, there's definitely a lot of things that go on within that theater space besides just the, the acting.
1: So now, of course, we both know the importance of theater programs and how mm-hmm. it can really bring the community get together. Why do you think that funding is always such an issue?
2: You know, there's still this stigma when it comes to entertainment in general. Um, Cause as I told you before, at the start of this interview, my background is in nursing. I have a master's degree. I'm a licensed nurse practitioner. Um, and there's this, this thought that entertainment is just that, like it's entertain- It's not a real job, right? So a lot of times when it comes to funding, people will look at it that way. But what we saw again, and I keep referring back because this is the one thing in our, our time that we all kind of shared together was the world shut down. And for the first time, I think people really got to see how important entertainment and entertainers were to the world. You know, whether it was you getting your your news, your information, whether it was you going through hardships and you needed that one show that you love to laugh or you needed to go to a a theater production so you can sing along with the musical. It was the first time people really had gotten to see how important um, the arts are. And the funding now, I think more and more you know um because of that the funding has increased some but previous to that I think it's always been oh it's not a real job or you know it's just for fun but people really do have careers in this field you you see a lot of people have longevity in this industry um I've gotten to be on sets now just with television and film with people I grew up watching on television I never thought that would be possible you know um and here I am now sharing a space with them as colleagues so you know um the funding like I said previously I think it had a lot to do with the mindset that oh it's not a real job it is just for entertainment purposes you know um because even now it's hard to to tell people yes I I full-time work for myself now the last time I saw any patients uh, was January of 2022 I went into you know I left my nursing job and I went on and embarked in this entertainment journey full-time and this it's it's like this glossed over look the second you tell someone that <laughs> they go "But well, hold on you are a nurse like aren't you missing the money I'm like here I am standing in front of you it is now May 2023 and I told you I left in January 2022 I have I still have a roof over my head. My belly is still very full. Some would say probably too full. Um, my car has gas. So in other words, I'm still thriving. The people just have in their mind that if you don't have a set Monday through Friday or seven day a week job with certain hours, that is not real. And I'm telling you, I put in probably more hours and dedication and work being on this side of being an entrepreneur and in this entertainment industry than I ever did in my nursing job. And I feel much more fulfilled because this has been my first love always. Um, but I think to a long way to answer your question <laughs> is yeah. I don't think people respectfully viewed the theater space and entertainment in general as a, as a legitimate um, source of income and a legitimate source of what keeps our world going around.
1: When you're talking, it made me think, I wonder, you know, we've always... Well, not we, but Broadway has typically been referred to as the great white way because the majority of the performers were not people of color. And now mm-hmm. we're starting to see that shift there. Do you think with that shift starting to happen on Broadway and then trickling down to traveling cast and things, do you think we'll start to see a shift in the acceptance of theater and acting as like a legitimate career?
2: You know, um, I really do hope so. <laughs> Uh, and I really do hope that in my lifetime I get to see that. Um, I can tell you, me being a part of certain traveling casts thus far, I've done you know three tours thus far, and and they've been predominantly black casts, you know, um, which has been great because, like you said, that trickling down and and changing on like Broadway and things like that. Even when we go to these shows, it's always amazing after the show when we're done and and you know the kids and audiences are leaving. I've had children of color run up to me and just hug me and said, "I want to do this. I want to be like you know." And I think back to when I was growing up. I came from a very small town. You know, theater and the arts wasn't you know something that was, was highlighted. It was um, sports, or you went to college or the military. That was it. Um, theater wasn't the highlight. And I was in the marching band, but even after that, it wasn't like you know you're finding local bands are playing and things like that. So. Um, I'm hoping that that changes things, you know, and ironically um, that you're talking about Broadway and not really having a lot of people of color. I just had an interview today. Um, There is a production coming here in the upstate where I live. um, And it's, it's going to be called um, uh, Broadway, a celebration of African-American influence um, in the musical theater. And so it's going to be a review uh, show of different songs and um bits and pieces of devised work that showcase the African American influence on musical theater as it pertains to Broadway. So it's very, very ironic that you just asked me that question. Uh hopefully I get the job as stage manager. So fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, that's that's something that you know um uh, again the future will only be able to tell whether the answer to the that is presently. <laughs> and I'm hoping that, um, that that will be a yes, that everything will trickle down and more and more people will start to see it for what it
1: is. Oh, that's awesome. So I know that you, you mentioned that you are an actress, you are a singer, you are a playwright. So let's shift more into that singing and that writing piece there. Okay. Thinking of you as a writer, what do you think Is most important when thinking about telling a story is it for political change is it for a social change is it just to get something Mm -hmm. out of your head what goes into your your writing process
2: um it's a little bit everything my my main focus when I do write I write with the the senses in mind you know smell taste touch sound um sight because um I want you to feel like you're within the scene when I'm writing. So if I'm writing about something, I want you to be able to feel the wind on your skin. You know, um uh, I want you to be able to if if something spills, I want you to be able to feel the water splash up on you. Um, so I write with the senses in mind. Um, the foundation of of how I write definitely is about the the current and world events around me, um especially from personal experiences. Because again, when when growing up in a small town and you know, um there were some childhood traumas and stuff that I've had to work through. Um, but as a child, my my imagination was where I went to to protect myself. Um, and I think that's why entertainment has been my first love, because whether it was Saturday morning cartoons, whether it was uh, movies, um, things like that, it, it kind of helped me escape from the reality that I was in just for an hour or two or two hours or whatever so when I write I write with all of that in mind like I, I'm, I'm appealing to people's senses I'm appealing to uh, the political uh, environment around us the personal um, life circumstances that are happening I'm appealing to that little child who this may be the only source of freedom they have from the chaotic you know world that they're in um, children should be able to go outside and play and not have to worry about all these adult conversations and adult dealings but as we see even with things like school shootings our children now are having to do shooter drills the the most drills I remember coming through school was we had to do a tornado drill and a hurricane drill <laughs> right you had to get under your desk in case there's a hurricane you get under your desk to protect your head if there was a tornado we went in the hall and you you got your head down against the wall like th- that's the most drills we had and then a fire drill that was the third one but now, you know, you're talking about writing stuff uh, for children at times where you have to keep in mind that they're having actor, active shooter drills.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and as a writer, that in itself is difficult, you know, because um, you have to be able to write in a sense where you ev- evoke your emotions and put it in there, um, but don't let it hinder you from continuing to write. Because you can get so weighed down in in the ugly and the, the chaos and the, the things that don't make sense. Uh, I just had a conversation today. We talk about politics a little bit about how uh, I was telling someone, "How are we?" And and I think what sparked this conversation. I don't know if you watched recently the um uh what is it called the the per- correspondence dinner um that the White House has for the media. And Roy Wood Jr. was talking about how, you know, um, we're banning basically drag queens from reading to children because we don't want them groomed. But we have yet passed sensible laws that protect our children from school shootings. And that hit very heavy. Because I have never... Heard seen, I'm not, you know, any news article out there anywhere where a drag queen reading to a child took that child's life. This is true. This but is we true. have laws now on the books that ban them from being able to read to children. Children who at that age can care less about people's sexuality. They're more in in informal, oh, your colors that you're wearing are pretty. Your outfit looks cool. They're not thinking about sexuality, but we're stopping bring- the message of literacy. <laughs> yeah, you're stopping, you know, stopping the message of literacy. And yet, when we said we want sensible gun laws that protect our children, we can't even get Congress to come to an agreement with a bill on the fl- on the table. Just just bring something. We can't even come to a a basic bare bones agreement of something. And that's crazy to me. And you you talk about, you know, I told you what the the play was about that we toured recently. I remember um during the tour, about maybe, maybe halfway in, we had to change some of the verbiage. Um Why because we no oh, let, let me say this. We had to change some of the verbiage, and we also had to change one of the scenes. Because one of the scenes, um the the main, one of the main characters who has been, uh, he's been being chased. He, he escaped, the the story is about a real life, um, uh, slave who escaped from Kentucky and made his way to Mechanicsburg, Ohio. And in that running, he met up with an abolitionist, um, you know, um, and, them hiding him. This this one law lawman kept chasing him, and the lawman finally catches up to him. And the lawman has had this shotgun that he carries around, never points it at anybody. He's carrying it, and in this one scene, he comes with a warrant to look for you know Addison White, the slave who ran away. And Addison ends up getting the upper hand, and he gets behind him, and he has a gun, and he points it at the the lawman, telling him, you know, there's no boy here anymore. You're talking to a grown man. And the lawman kind of his hand up and put the gun down right Mm -hmm. that's the scene we had to change that because we were going to be going to a location in Virginia and we always sent a study guide that the schools got beforehand and and before we even got there because of that one scene six schools were going to pull their children
1: oh wow so we had
2: so we had to change it to where both gentlemen were given like axe handles and they had like a fight scene with the axe handles so we had to change that there was another location we went to um the word the verbiage that we changed the word i don't know if i can the word is damn Mm -hmm. that word was used twice um at the beginning of the play by my character and mind you the first time it said it's maybe three minutes into the play if that And um, there's this one place we went to and there was a, a, a homeschool group. It was a, well, not a homeschool, it was a Christian group. Within the first three minutes, I said that word and about 40 kids and their teacher got up and left in the middle of the show. So the kids, because of a decision for the adults made, missed an entire message that empowered them in the end, that showed them someone who was a freedom seeker and 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 got, you know, um their 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 freedom and was able to live their life fully and went on to do great things in this country. Addison White, again, was a real slave, went on to fight in the Civil War. He was a part of the 54th um, Massachusetts, which is highlighted in the movie Glory that stars, you know, Denzel Washington and Morgan Freeman. Um, all of that, they missed that entire Story and and information and empowerment, because in the first three minutes, their school got them up and walked them out in the middle
1: of the show. And mind you, the show was only about fifty-five minutes. You get this message that could be conveyed and that could really have an impact on people, but there's still that censorship that's happening. So it's still kind of like Ah, Mm -hmm. that—that frustration of existing in this country where we're not really allowed to really speak and express and say the things that would lead to change. Yeah, so that's I mean I that that's frustrating, but it's, I, very, it's very frustrating. And it's one thing for
2: the country that we live in trying to not want to talk about the ugly past of his history. That's one thing, but it's a, another thing when it tries to even erase the history of a whole group of people who this country's back is built on, and essentially that's what's happening in Florida right now and other states. Who are trying to ban um, CRT critical race theory. And when people hear that, it's such a buzzword, but people, the people that are so against it, they don't even know what it is. <laughs> if you ask them to break, that's the crazy part. They hear critical race theory as this buzzword on certain platforms, you know, certain news platforms about how bad it is, but they can't tell you why it's bad. But then when you break it down to them, say it's, like, it's it's them teaching you know, uh, Black history, essentially, and the history of this foundation of this country, which is not something that's made up, is true. But you're trying to erase that. And and it's not really being taught. It was uh, being taught in universities, you know. Um, And in some high schools, once they get to that level where they're about to go into college prep courses, yes. But like you ask people what DRT means, and they can't even tell you. It's always bad
1: i would think and that's the people that we have They may actually know what Those it people is have voted. Yeah. yeah they
2: don't they don't no, they, I think they, the
1: do. they think they do but it's a fear that happens in there like we don't want well, yeah. people to know because once they know we're again it's that empowerment thing so, similar to mm-hmm. just exposing our, our children to different things it's that empowerment that comes from knowing and we don't want people to know so with yeah. that and then once like you said once people end no finish that thought it's gonna be
2: juicy (laughs) yeah i was gonna say and with with uh not wanting people to know a lot of it has to do with if we tell the true history you have to answer a whole lot of questions for the youth in your family of what your part in history and your family's part in history was and that's an uncomfortable conversation but if truly you believe like hey those were my ancestors that's not me presently then it shouldn't be a pushback on learning the history if you don't think the way that those ancestors did, if you don't believe in the system that this country was built on, then there shouldn't be a problem with you teaching the youth. But a lot of people, because they still secretly and now more and broaden, they have those thoughts uh, outwardly. They don't want to have those hard discussions because now you got to answer the question of why was grandpa or me, standing by this gentleman, you know, hanging from a tree in this picture? Why was grandma, grandpa, you know, spitting on this student just trying to get an education while schools were being integrated? You have to now a- answer those questions. And I think that that's a, a big component of why they don't want it taught, you know? Oh, yeah.
1: And you got to think about it too. Like um, if we don't give them the knowledge, they cannot make a change. And even if we're presented in a form as simple as theater, or music or something that they can relate to easily that they may not even have known that they could relate to, we still can't give it to them that way either because that's still giving them the information. So we just leave them blind. Yes. So I promised you I would stick to our time. And you know, I, I like to yap, so I'm learning a lot. But no, where can everybody this time find you? you?
2: Yes, I am on social media. I'm on uh, TikTok. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. Um, you can find me at, at Evelyn Letitia. That's E-V-E-L-Y-N-L-E-T-E-S-H-I-A. I do have a Twitter. I'm not really on that much, but it's just at E Letitia. Um, uh, and I'm also on YouTube. Um, again at, at Evelyn Letitia, you can follow me on there. Uh lots of content, lots of things to keep you busy, um, lots of things to to know about me and keep up with me as I move throughout this this world with my
1: busy body. <laughs> So, all right, folks, you have heard it from your, with your own ears. Evelyn Letitia is on the move and you can hear it in her voice. She has some things to write. So I expect to see and hear some great things from her in the coming years. It it takes take some time for theater works to happen and to roll out. So give us some time, but I really do expect some great things to come forward because I believe that you have a great voice that is for the people that could really impact our youth impact, our adults, just really to spread that information and do it in a way that sounds like it would be unique to your voice. So again, I thank you for taking this time out with me. I know your schedule is busy when you're busy and on the road and I know it can get hectic, but I really do appreciate you for helping me to bring this vision to life and to talk about your experience and what is important to you. Anything else? I'll let you end our conversation.
2: No, again, I am so grateful to be on your platform today. Thank you so much. This, the work you're doing is important. Um, the voices that you'll have, you know, on your your podcast here is is greatly uh, valued. And I just am glad to be a part of that now. Uh, we've created history together. And I look <laughs> forward. To, uh, yeah, I look forward to sharing this with others um, and, and letting people know about the good, great work that you're doing up there.
1: Oh, I appreciate you so much. So you've heard it, guys. Please check her out on Evelyn and Letitia. Follow her career path and know that when she's blown up and she's on that red carpet that you heard her here first with me. And we discussed civic engagement and how to really make a difference in our community. So thank you for tuning in and have a fantastic rest of your day.
0: Thank you for listening to Conversations and Community Leadership, a project from Leadership for Civic and Community Engagement at North Carolina A&T with your host and leader Dr. Karen Jackson. Dr. Karen Jackson can be reached at ktjackson at ncat.edu. You can also check out more from North Carolina A&T and their leadership for civic and community engagement programs at https colon forward slash forward slash www.ncat.edu forward slash academics forward slash graduate hyphen programs forward slash ced forward slash leadership Hypedstudies.php. You can also type it right into their main website and find it at www.ncat.edu. Thanks for listening. This has been a Big Mouth Media production.